mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Cinenauts Exploring the Criterion. Welcome to Oscars Month. Oscars month, yes. Oscars month, (laughs) or Academy Awards month. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the month where we put the Academy Awards on blast and we say, you better impress us or we're going to stop watching. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, Except... I'm probably just never going to stop watching because I, I kept watching after Green Book. And- yeah. <laughs> if we're st- still here after Green Book, we will always be here. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't tune in last week, you should, first of all, because it was a great episode with the boys of Bat and Spider. It was mm-hmm. really good. But this month, we, the Cynonauts, are going to be discussing One Night Miami, which is this episode, followed by The Sound of Metal, followed by Time. And if you're asking, how can these new movies that are Academy Award nominated for this year in the Criterion Collection, uh, our answer for you is that they are being added next year. The Criterion actually announced ahead of time that they're going to be doing that. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so that's why we're doing this. And we figured it would be fun, nice and topical, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are, how are you guys feeling about this? I feel good about it. Like, we spend so much time jumping into our time machines. I have whiplash, you know? Let's spend some time <laughs> in the present. <laughs> That's true. See what's going like on now. It's good to be mindful and present. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, too, it's a good excuse to, like, actually watch those movies. Because, like, mm. they're definitely ones I've wanted to watch. And, yeah. But, you know, there's only so many things you can watch in a week. And they're... Three nights a week, Big Brother's on. So oh, boy. It's like, well, how do you fit it all in? So this is a great <laughs> great way to do that. Anyway, what did you guys uh, do this week? Let's catch up. I barbecued this week. Ooh. I What'd saw. Some I was jealous. Sausages, I want to burn. And some, yeah, and some hamburgers. Nice. Emma's house is like right on the basically like she has a patio onto a major street. So we just brought out this little barbecue and just like barbecued. We just chilled nice. and watched people drive by. It's awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. It was a good time when, uh, I don't know, is, does it rain a lot up there? I know you guys obviously get snow, but. Uh, not as much as you get rain, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, for us, once we get the sun for more than like two hours, it's like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. Like Everybody's months. in jorts. Everybody's yeah, outside. <laughs> We've been in yeah. winter lockdown, though. So this is like, it's yeah. sort of the equivalent. Oh, yeah. It's like we get, if we can get sunshine without absolutely frigid temperatures for more than like three hours we are like mm-hmm. outside yeah in the park on a patio if possible obviously absolutely so right uh what else did you do did you watch anything i did i did yeah i watched a few things some horror movies of course nice shutter mm-hmm. thank you the first one i'm gonna say is the boat it's called the boat mm-hmm. it's uh actually like a one room horror film except it's not one room it's a boat so there's a couple rooms on this nice little boat uh, but this guy he's a fisherman in like a small town i guess or something and uh, he heads out in the water one day ends up in some fog mm-hmm. finds sort mm-hmm. of an abandoned boat like a nice you know little sail, like multifunctional like sailboat yeah and uh goes on board tries to scope out what's going on nobody's there and then all of a sudden 
his boat is gone, his little <gasps> boat, and he's left stranded on this boat with with no tools. Oh, no. And then maybe the boat is haunted or maybe. demonic. Just okay. perhaps. Maybe. The boat itself is demonic the bo- or there are <laughs> the bo- demons the boat itself. Things. The boat itself, by the end of the film, like just starts moving on its own. <laughs> like, the first half of the movie. Spoilers. The first half of the movie is like really great tension. Like the character is really smart. He's really mm-hmm. capable. Mm-hmm. Um and things are going all right for him. And then for like 20 minutes, he gets locked inside the bathroom, mm-hmm. which Good. they do fit, manage to make incredibly terrifying. <laughs> and uh, and then it goes on a little bit more and still like you're still with it, like you're still with the movie. But then at the end, it just the boat just starts moving on its own. Like, oh, it shit. Just, it does like tight turns and you're just like, it's a boat. <laughs> it was cooler when it was sort of all in his head because he's sort sure. of lost at sea. But then sure. it just becomes a demonic boat, and you're just mm. like, "This is so strange." <laughs> um, okay. But worth seeing for the performance, I think. Yeah. Sure. And all then right. I watched Bad Trip. Oh, yes. Yeah. With uh, Eric Andre. Eric Andre and Bill uh, Rell. Yeah. How are My God, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. Um, <laughs> The, that they could find a way to make a prank, like interweave an actual fiction story, narrative story with pranks and not have it feel really bad is really actually impressive. Yeah. Um, and the pranks are pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> um, and the only thing that takes away from the movie, because literally everyone that they run into just like makes like reignites your belief in human beings. Just mm-hmm. the way that these people like go out of their way to help them and or or, or interact with the, these characters, not knowing and just the choices they make are brilliant, and it just makes you so happy. Um, but you do then realize for sure it's a prank show. So they filmed; they must have filmed dozens of these reactions with different groups of people, and they've chosen the best ones. So sure. something about that takes away from it somehow. Um, mm. I don't know why. But something about that takes away from it. Um, I think it's really great and everyone should watch it. It's much better yeah. than it has any right being. Um, people, someone on this podcast included, are claiming it's a masterpiece. I maybe <laughs> not wouldn't go that far. Time will tell. I yet. could be wow. wrong. I could be wrong. Um, I'm someone who wants to put like criteria um the Jackass trilogy up for like Criterion edition. Oh so, wow. Like I have no problem Please with don't like, put this me through that. approach. <laughs> but you know wow yeah All i don't right. know if it's a masterpiece yes but it's damn good and really funny i know the, cl- the yeah. me claiming that it was a masterpiece was like mostly an in joke but um that's fine <laughs> <laughs> it is good though. but it, it is, is quite if you think about it technically it is quite masterful what yeah. they pull off oh and, and how it's executed um but yeah i had a lot of fun watching it i just i just laughed my ass off and it's just a nice feeling, isn't it? Sounds like I need to throw this on. Uh, Definitely. Tara isn't much of an Eric Andre fan, so it might <laughs> be a little bit harder to get her on, on, on the train a, on that. But I will say he's obnoxious, but he is m- a lot more tolerable in this than usual. Yeah. Yeah. He's much yeah. more pared down, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I like Eric Andre, but I was like, uh, I was like, oh, he had a new stand-up special on Netflix like not too long ago. And I was like, oh, let's watch this. Like, he's so funny. That's so cool. And then, like, in the first five minutes of this stand-up, he's just, like, screaming about being on acid and, like, running around <laughs> New Orleans naked. And Tara was like, eh. 
think, <laughs> think we can skip this one for now. Anything else, Catcher? Yeah, I also watched uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which <laughs> is amazing. It's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, did any of you uh, did any of you guys watch it? Yeah, I watched it. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. I I didn't like it as much as King of the Monsters. I thought King of the Monsters was wow, awesome. like yeah, I loved King of the Monsters mostly because like I really like the kaiju and Godzilla stuff, and King of the Monsters mm-hmm. was like super kaiju nerdy stuff. And this one wasn't nearly enough for me, but I had a great time. Like it yeah. was awesome. There was so many cool ridiculous things going on and it was so fun to watch boom what did you think uh so i actually didn't finish it fully because (laughs) i was like i somehow outed myself and i had promised um a few people that i would watch it with them Uh and then i like like outed myself well like while i was watching it and then got some uh (laughs) got some blowback yeah (laughs) so being the good friend I am, I paused it where it was. So I got about <laughs> 40 minutes in and I was enjoying okay. it. I, I was enjoying it. Um, I got to like the first big fight um, mm-hmm. and it looked cool, felt cool. I thought like the comedy was kind of good. Um, and yeah, that's all I can say at this time. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's well, the one thing that's kind of nice about it, though, is like, you you got 40 minutes in and you already got like a reasonably sized like brawl like there's so yeah. much actual action action like fighting yeah. action in this movie the other two skull island aside skull island is so like dope. sort of it's I like so skull very island good too. yeah but the other two are sort of like back end that's not the phrase but like they sort of like have all the action at the back it's like you get all a little bit of stuff sprinkled through and it's mostly human stuff. And then at the mm. end is when you get like 20 minutes of good battle. And this sort of like found a way of getting lots of action strewn throughout. I could yes. do without Millie Bobby Brown's entire plot line. Like yeah. the podcast thing, cut that. I mean, this one, especially compared to Skull Island and even to King of the Monsters, they really just like took maybe five minutes to write any sort of human plot line and then just like, just like yeah, this is good. Yeah, I'm with it, but I'm fine with that. I don't really care. I, yeah. I'm not watching Godzilla for the people. I'm no, they managed that. to make Kong like the protagonist, which is like impressive. Interesting. Like, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Was, like yeah, they've never cool. really done that before, and I think that's what benefits the movie so much more. Is like you actually care about what the action that's going on. Yeah, um, exactly. Because it's more focused on like them and like the humans are kind of just there to push the narrative forward. More yeah, so than exactly. like yeah. being the center of it, because I agree. Like, What's I'm not here yet. for the humans. I'm here to see like Godzilla kick the shit out of like whatever monster he's facing. Um, mm-hmm. But then in the earlier, like in the 2014 Godzilla, I'm like, I want to ignore this the human plot line, but it's mm-hmm. being shoved down my throat. So yeah. it just makes it less enjoyable. But yeah, but yeah, Skull Island and this one. The 40 minutes that I've experienced is, has been quite good. So <laughs> nice. Boom. What else did you watch other than 40 minutes of? <laughs> um, I did a bit. I did actually had a good viewing week. Um, I guess you kind of know you've spent two weeks with bat and spider when you willingly go <laughs> on to shutter and choose to watch a 1960s black and white, um, Gothic, 
<laughs> so I did that. It was called The Flesh and the Fiend. The Flesh and the Fiends. And it's about um, these two grave robbers that are giving this like doctor who's like studying the human body in a, in a school, cadavers. Um, but then they just, they are like poor guys and they want to make money. So they go out and like literally start killing people and giving this like sketchy doctor um, like fresh cadavs. Um, and it's based on a true story, which was interesting. I actually Googled the guy and it was the guy, Dr. Knox, who was one of the pioneers of scientific racism. So I was like, cool. Ah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is the reason I can't, my black ass can't get Tylenol 3 is after a root canal. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, bro. Thanks. Yeah. I'm like, thanks, dog. But um, it was a good, for what it was, it was a good movie. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. Um, and then also I watched, I was kind of like poking around the Criterion channel this weekend and mm -hmm. this film came, came up, it's called Babylon and I threw it on. It was literally like 12 AM on a Saturday and I put it on and it blew my freaking mind. Um, it's about... It's definitely so we were like talking about the small act series with Steve McQueen and it kind of like how it centers around um, like immigrants, Jamaican or like black immigrants in London. This is also mm -hmm. a story of that. I can could have could definitely see that um, Steve McQueen drew a lot of influence from this film, especially in Lover's Rock. Um, mm -hmm. I won't say too, too much about it because I definitely want to cover it on the pod. I'm not even going to like joke about that. I'm like, I, I watched this and I was like, I'm so excited that like, I actually have a platform where I can be like, let's talk about this. And we can, cause I think both of you will really love it. Um, and I just want to bring up, bring it up now because um, if people are like on the criterion channel, check it out. Um, it blew my mind. It kind of, Gave me la n la ein vibes. Um, la mm -hmm. They're obviously <laughs> la en. But, uh, Sophie, where you at? La um, Le <laughs> Gave me those vibes. Obviously, very different. So, if you really love that film, I think um, you'll really love this one. Uh, check it out and stay tuned. And then, um, last but not least, I finished my. Sex in the City journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Finally. Um, like I said, I've obviously seen it a bunch of times. Um, but this was my first, like, full viewing of my 30s. Mm -hmm. And let me just tell you, it definitely hits different when you're not just, like, a teenager watching this and being like, oh, you know, being 30 is so fabulous. <laughs> you're like... You start being like, how much is rent in that place? Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And she's writing like one article a week. Right. Uh, one like I, one like side <laughs> column even. It's not even a full article. Like it's, at least it's at least her. Like I find that their apartments are less ridiculous than friends. Friends, They're, sure. Because she's still kind of like in a bachelor ish situation, like a studio. Yeah, studio. One I'm better, like it's yeah. it's rent controlled, you know, but. Yeah. No, I had a really good time watching it. I love this show. Um, I think you can say a lot about it. You can draw a lot of things from it. But I still think it's one of the best on-screen representa on representations of 
female friendship out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that they show the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love all the characters. So, mm-hmm. and I know except you boys Carrie. love sex. There, <laughs> no, no. I stand Carrie. Yeah, like, yeah. She- we need to get this Carrie slander that's been creeping around yeah. our DMs. Listen, okay. <laughs> she, I'll, I'm, listen. I'm ready for a rewatch. No, no, no. Say, say save it. But yeah. save it. No, go ahead. <laughs> Get it off it's your fine. chest. It's fine. It's fine. No, it, you know, you can't have the show without Carrie, though. She's just like, she's easy to hate, but I think she's one of the more relatable characters, to be honest. Well, she is. She she's the most, up. yeah. She, she makes mistakes, and, like, the way she reacts to things, I think, are just... Like, you want to hate her because, like, that at some point was you. Like, her chasing big around and, like, being super insecure. You're like, I hate to say it, but, like, I've been there. I've been on both ends of that. (laughs) I also have a theory about why, like, everyone likes Aiden instead of Big. And a big reason (laughs) of that is because, like, 99% of guys and 99% of guys girls know are Aiden. Most people aren't big right yeah and so when you're seeing that you're kind of seeing like yourself or your friends in that character and but if you rewatch it aiden and yeah aiden and carrie don't really make sense but anyway yeah especially aiden. like phase <laughs> phase two aiden is honestly a little bit rough phase one aiden is a perfect angel so i, I will say nothing bad he brings on, that. It on himself phase one he phase two he knows what happens the first time and he does it to himself again <laughs> Like you yeah. can't really like is is it is it Carrie's fault too? Yeah, sure, but he also like yeah. brings this on himself. He he yeah he yeah definitely blame the guy who was just trying to open his heart and understanding. Oh Sometimes it doesn't work out That's at first, it. and he's trying to he's trying you know he's trying to just open his heart his his heart. But it's is open. just it's all just this is what I love about the show. It's like as over the top and like wild as it is, it's all just human, right? And it's interesting yeah. the relationship with Aiden because it's Carrie literally doing what Big did to her, to him. <laughs> it all comes cycle, full circle. It's the cycle of trauma. The cycle it's of the trauma. Cycle. I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. I'm going to say it now say. for our listeners. There may have been DMs flying around. <laughs> it's it's my... There, I'm, I'm going to force Catcher into this because I don't know how serious You don't have was. to force me. I've signed me up. There okay, have been let's go. Synonauts DMs flying around yep. that we may take a little trip into Synonauts <laughs> in the City spin-off <laughs> podcast yes. ahead of the like reboot series. Yeah. So keep your keep your I'm so ears excited. down. Who knows how long we'll actually be able to hold that off, but it's coming. We'll see. It's, com- it's, it's it coming. cannot. It can no yeah. longer be contained in the DMs. <laughs> yeah. I definitely. Well, I had so much fun talking about like Sex in the City with you guys in the DMs, and I'm like, I def. And it, even now, it's been fun. But I'm like, I definitely just want like a proper like a dedicated seven. Time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dedicated time where we can just like really get into it. So it's coming. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. So. Synonauts in the city. It's we did not choose it. It chose us. That's right. (laughs) Synonauts in the city is coming. This is this is not a joke reveal. This is real. It will be coming. Just keep an eye out for something like that in the future. The show was supposed to come out fall of this year, but COVID pushed Uh, it back. I don't know if I can wait twelve months to to go over this. I know. I'm itching, but no Samantha. So I'm 
nervous, yeah. but well, we'll, we'll just have to cover it when it comes out. Yeah, so, we'll have to yeah. Cover when it comes out. Anywho. One a month, one a month <laughs> until then should be Good. enough. How many months is away? Is <laughs> Who it? knows? We'll we'll have to we'll have to piece it together. Okay. Yeah, we'll call Sarah Jessica and see what's up. <laughs> yeah, we'll call SJP. Okay, moving on. Ian, what did you? Moving watch? on. What did I watch this week? Uh, uh, I watched this movie called Margaret. Um, it's directed by, uh, uh, what's his name? It's directed by Kenneth Lonergan, who also directed, uh, Manchester by the sea. Um, mm. I was a big fan of Manchester by the sea. Casey Affleck aside, I think that movie is like incredible. I think it captures, uh, how like men deal with grief and pain, like in the best way I've ever seen on film. Uh, and so this movie kind of struck my interest. Um, mm-hmm. I had to watch it for work. And uh, it's it's about, it stars Anna Paquin. And she is in high school. She witnesses someone getting hit by a bus. And wow. it's basically about her life, like, spiraling out after that. This, the movie has an interesting story. So the movie was originally shot in 2005 and the director was like, I want to make this a three and a half hour movie. And the studio said no for like years. And it finally came out in 2011 as like a two hour cut. And then he released his own version as like three hours. So it was like, it's, wow. it was like a, you know, a release of Lonergan cut type situation. <laughs> and I would love to see if you two have time to watch this in the near future. It's on HBO Max, so I think it should be available to you guys. But I'll make you a deal. I, yes. I'll watch it if you watch San Junipero. Oh, my God. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll watch the three-hour cut. I'll do it. San Junipero is an hour. Okay. For me, I'll make, okay, for Marcy. I'll make that. Okay, I'll make that agreement for you and Marcy and all the other San Junipero fans. I'll do it. God. I'll do it. Yes. Well, should I also watch it? Because I also haven't yeah. seen it. So yeah. If you, oh my yeah. God, yes. Because uh, okay. I, I won't go too much into it then because I like, I, I didn't rate it because I like hated it and really liked it at the same time. <laughs> I, it was like a very bizarre oh feeling. Gosh. It felt like a calmer version of Magnolia, if, if, if you can even put that together, or like a calmer version okay. of like even Requiem for a Dream. The pacing Ooh. is like pretty manic but i don't know it, it's hard to explain my feelings towards yeah. it anna paquin is amazing I, all the acting is really good but i there was something about her like i kind of hate this movie but then i also like didn't stop watching the whole thing and i really i enjoyed a lot of it so curious if if you whenever you guys yeah. watch it what's what it what's it called are. again margaret so there's margaret. two versions on hbo max there is a regular and the extended is also on there so i'll do yeah. it we can I'm we can settle this. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out after, and maybe you guys. Can and help I me do decide. love like going like watching a film and then just coming out of it and being like, "What the hell just happened?" Like, yeah, it's, it's struggling. It's yeah. like a Wrangling frustrating feeling, but it's also like kind of exciting because you're just like, I just need to like think, sit on this and figure yeah. it out. So. Yeah, because a lot of the dialogue, I was like, this is kind of like he's up his own ass, like with this dialogue. But mm. then I'm also kind of like, it makes sense. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to explain. So, okay, okay. So we'll do a Margaret and San Junipero trade-off. I can do that. I can live with that. Uh, nice. We'll, I'm, in. We'll, I'm in. All right. We did it, Marcy. We did it. We did it, Marcy. We did it. <laughs> uh, and then since we talked about Sex and the City for about 25 minutes, 
that's all I'll talk about anyway. So yeah. <laughs> let's get to our uh, first movie for our little Academy Award uh, month here. Again, we're going to open up with One Night in Miami, which is coming to the criteria next year. For those who haven't seen One Night in Miami, uh, it was directed by Regina King, Queen, her first, uh, her directorial <laughs> debut. Uh, and it's about like a, it's based off a play and it is about four icons of American pop culture and black pop culture in the 60s. Uh, it's like a fictional what what if situation of uh, the night where Cassius Clay, also known as Muhammad Ali, wins the uh, boxing world title. And he goes into a hotel room to meet with Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. Um, and that's kind of the basis of it. Like what, what their conversation would have been had this happened. People say it did happen, but there's no like hard evidence about it. Maybe Catcher will go more into that. Um, but that is the basic plot of this. It is nominated for uh, a couple Academy Awards, which we'll get into in a little bit. And now Catcher. Okay, so let's hop in our time machines. Okay, so we are going to head back to February 25th, 1964, at the Hampton House Motel in Overton, Florida. Known as the Social Center for the South, the Hampton House Motel was, due to segregation laws being in full effect at the time, the place to see and be seen in Miami's black community. Sammy Davis Jr., Nat King Cole, Jackie Robinson, and Martin Luther King Jr. are amongst just a few names of people who were patrons uh, of this historic site. Uh, The night we traveled back to February 25th was a huge night in Miami. Cassius Clay defeated Sonny Liston to become the heavyweight champion of the world and become the greatest of all time. In the crowd, he had three friends. Malcolm X, his friend and spiritual advisor of sorts, and also at the time, one of the biggest voices for the Nation of Islam. Singer-songwriter Sam Cooke, who, who is by all accounts a music industry pioneer and visionary. And last but certainly not least, legendary footballer, analyst, and actor Jim Brown, who was actually ringside giving commentary for the fight. These four men were giants at the time, black men who, because of their gifts, managed to find their ways into the minds and mouths of people, regardless of race, around the world. They had what few black people had at the time, power. This film follows the four men post-fight back at Malcolm's hotel uh, and the conversations they may have had together and the influence that night may have had on those four men. I won't dive too much further into this because, though the film was inspired by many real events, much of the film's premise and dialogue is fictional. But this mm-hmm. is not a film about replaying facts. This isn't a film about trying to get to the exact truth of what happened. This is a film about two things. It's about conversation and what having honest and genuine conversations can help and provide us. And more importantly, this film is about power. It's a film that asks the audience, if you had power, what would you do with it? And more importantly, what should you do with it? Is there a right way and a wrong way to wield power? Like most philosophical questions like this, there is no easy answer. But with open dialogue with one another, maybe there is a chance for us to sort of reach solutions on those problems. So now I want you to sort of picture this for a second. It's 2020 and you're Lewis Hamilton, superstar F1 driver. 
and you just manage to basically take over the sport, run entirely by a bunch of old, crotchety white dudes, and just crush record after record after record. And you get out of your car and you go back behind and everything and everything slows down you open your phone and you got a group text and in that group text you got lebron james and drake and they're just giving you the biggest props <coughs> ever and i thought to myself i think about this all the time because i'm a big f1 guy and i watch all the time I'm like how incredible a, a situation is it, this must be for them for three dudes who are just at the top of their game like just mm-hmm. absolutely the top of their game. And at a time right now where we are finally giving like black superstars the treatment and, and, and respect that they deserve. And I just was thinking after watching this movie, like in your minds, like who are sort of the modern day equivalents to the four guys in that room? Um, I just think it might be a fun game to like dive into that, like what, <laughs> how you see it. Um, I can give you my list if I can to help along, or if you guys want to go ahead and I can give mine later. It's up to you. I have my list. I have my list ready to go. He has yeah. his list. Uh, Ian, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought about this a little bit earlier, and I have a couple iterations, but I think this this is the one that makes sense in my head. It's not like I I didn't go young gun aspect like Muhammad Ali, and if we want to do that, I can think of more. But my foursome in terms of who I think shifts not only black culture, but American pop culture and world pop culture, uh, right now, the foursome would be LeBron, like you said, uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Questlove, and Cornell West. The who I saw actually someone put in there in our Instagram. Um, I'm not sure who put that in there, but someone else put Cornell West as well. So those would be, those would mm. be my four. Um, nice. Uh, I thought about swapping out Cornell West with uh, Tanahisi Coates uh, because I think he is like a younger philosopher type uh, who I mm-hmm. think would be in the Malcolm X spot. Um, so I, I could interchange either of those, um, but those those would be my four. Uh, LeBron James. I don't think that needs to be said. That's kind of a cheat. I was trying to think of other black male athletes, but I mean, it's hard to replace LeBron in my eyes. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, I think he is one of the greatest like musicians of all time. Um, and something I really like about him is that he has shaped hip hop in a way that people still are not able to catch up to. Like, Good, I mean, Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City, uh, The Pimp a Butterfly, uh, and Damn, they all, I think, are going to shape hip-hop, but they people haven't figured out how to copy it yet. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm not really a fan of Drake, but Drake is obviously massively influential, but Drake will release an album, and then someone else will copy it within the next year. Kendrick, people are still trying to catch up to what he's able to do, and maybe they don't do it because they're not able to do it. And I think he is like a like a, a prophet and a pro and a poet for a lot of people in America. I mean, during a lot of the BLM, uh, you know, protests and such, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are always singing all lyrics to all right, like as like their anthem, um, which I think says a lot about his impact. Uh, Questlove, <clears throat> I think he is just like a cultural 
icon in terms of like the way not only he like looks at culture and speaks about it, but just like I think what he represents. Uh, not only like in hip hop, I mean he's also on like the Jimmy Fallon show and like all this other stuff, and he is a big purveyor of you know keeping music history pure, um, which I really love, and he likes making sure people are educated and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my split of Cornell West and uh, Tanahishi Coates. I think they're, you know, modern, I mean, well, Cornel West literally is a modern day philosopher, but I think, uh, you know, Tenehisi Coates <laughs> is too, and, and, and Coates, uh, he goes from comic books to, to tradi- you know, traditional books and all this sort of stuff, and the four of them, five or whoever I swap in and out there, seem to make a, a good sense of, of mesh of ideas there. Nice. Yeah. William, what do you think? Yeah, I thought about this too. I picked four black women because I think mm-hmm. if anybody's going to save the world, it's going to be black women and women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, especially right now, I feel like there's just been a surge in kind of women being unapologetic and really taking the reins. Um, so, yeah, so my room would be Lizzo, my queen. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think she's really changed the narrative in a very interesting, um, and powerful way. And I would just love to, I would just love for her to be in a room with my other three choices who are Stacey Abrams, Mm -hmm. who may or may not have saved America. Mm -hmm. We we will find out. I think may is leaning (laughs) on that direction. Yeah. A hundred percent. Laverne Cox, who I think is um just such a beautiful graceful human being and has done um so much to kind of just like break down walls and barriers for trans women and trans women of color um and Angela Davis she's still alive mm-hmm. um and she's been around for a while and i i want a biopic about her and i want a film where these four women are in a room together so yeah that's my that's my room nice it's a great room it's yeah. a great room so my list i've included so i put lewis hamilton makes the cut because he's the guy that started this whole thing and what he's actually managed to do uh mm-hmm. in formula one is n- in- incredible mm-hmm. uh lebron james mm-hmm. jay-z mm. and dave Chappelle. Oh, uh, Dave Chappelle's obvious. So I would wow. swap. I would put him in my fourth spot, probably. Yeah, like, yeah. Because so the whole thing, I was like, okay, so you've got sports and all that stuff, and like, but what they're managing to do is incredible. Like I said, with uh, Lewis Hamilton, LeBron James is just—I don't think we have to talk about that. LeBron mm-hmm. James is LeBron James, and he's doing everything in basketball and everything outside of basketball on all fronts. Um. Jay-Z is basically running life right now. Um, he has the best partner in crime you could ever ask for. Someone who in, arguably could be even better than he, even he is um, in Beyonce. But just like what he's managing to do as a businessman, like that guy is incredible and making real change and doing and, and not just sitting back and relaxing. He's putting in the work um, and I was trying to figure out, like, who is sort of like the Malcolm X equivalent. And we just sort of, like, don't have that now. Like, celebrities nowadays in small ways 
don't have a choice but have to like step up and be vocal that's mm-hmm. like mm. part of their rule you know part of their life now and so we don't really have in the same way big obvious um sort of social justice figures in the same way like greta yeah. could be there maybe mm. um but dave Chappelle is the real deal he is easily yeah. the best uh comedian working right now in my limited opinion and he is just opening people's eyes to things and saying things that no one else is really saying or talking about in mm-hmm. in such a concise and beautiful way um so like yeah he he's made it on the list so so now that we've discussed those i am curious you know this no one really knows if this event happened in this way or what people have said but did that affect your viewing at all or did it kind of come off as just like purely this is like fan fiction i could never even like see anything like this happening so i think like jim brown who's still alive has said like has spoken on this night and said that like they spent some time in in the hotel room kind of talking about life and change and and things like that so i mean i do believe something of the sorts did take place um I've seen this twice now. The first time I watched it, I was just honestly very excited um, to experience Regina King's first film. And I was kind of just very curious about what was going to happen and how it was going to go down. And I did really enjoy myself this time. I still did. I, I do really like the film. I do find that I was trying to kind of separate like, facts the facts from the fiction Mm -hmm. um because to me it just kind of like raises this interesting question because i'm like these are all prominent figures in pop culture and also the civil rights movement and we've Mm -hmm. extracted so much from them and 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 gotten so much um power from them and they've you know broken down boundaries and and opened doors for us of course And then to kind of take something like this and put them all in a room together and have this hypothetical conversation, I almost found myself asking, like, is not like, is what we have not enough? Like, do we Mm. now, like, we've already projected this like legendary status onto them. Um, And it's like, and now we need to kind of, you know, project what we think that they were saying behind closed doors you know like do they not at the very least get to is that at the not the very least sacred for the most part i think from a technical point of view this is like a triumph um i think like regina gina king did some amazing things especially from a stage for a stage to screen adaptation um And like, there's just some great performances there. And I think the conversations that are happening are really rich and like very interesting and should be happening. Um, And so, yeah, that sorry, I I know I just went on for a bit there. But yeah, like I had an interesting experience. (laughs) It's interesting what you say about like, can't we just let them like have their conversation and like let it be? Because yeah. I didn't think about this until you said that, but it is just sort of like building a modern day, like American myth, right? Like, yeah. like 
I mean, using an extreme as like the Bible, for example, right? The Bible, Mm -hmm. obviously, those people existed to various extents, but none of those conversations actually happened like as they were. But over time, people shaped these conversations and to make them into whatever they want to believe in or like their gospels Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. And so when you said that, I kind of thought, you know, the original screenplay, the the original stage play and Regina sort of wanted to build or start to create like a myth and like sort of maybe like philosophy or like her own God, their own gospels like around what they 100%. think these people would be saying that's mm. interesting that's interesting that you say that because i kind of i feel like i had almost the exact opposite reaction mm. to that which was there was only a couple bits of like actual history that i knew like it was weird right. that uh cassius clay would sort of like announce his uh train i don't know non transition but like that he would be converting Conversion. to uh, yeah yeah um like at the hotel, which happened like I, I was like, didn't that happen at a press conference or something? Um, yeah, it happened but, the day after at a press conference. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, but that aside, I took it from the perspective of like, there are things we want to. There are some ideas here. Some there's some obvious, like the idea of discussing um, race and it representing. The, themselves being black and in culture and at a time when we needed their voices. And I think that's all important, but I think what's interesting about the, the movie or like the script and I guess the stage plays itself is like, there are, there is more to like, that's sort of the surface level of it. And it's a very important Mm. part of the discussion. I don't think she would have made this movie if that wasn't, uh, you know, in the mix, but I think there is a broader conversation about power and what and and I think that's what's so great about the, the movie is there are so many historical dramas that have been made, tons of them. Right. And um, so often we're not worried about how much mm. is accurate. What we're getting out of it are like the themes of the movie. And this movie to me was really interesting because we are at a time right now when no one is Everyone is blabbing their mouth and no one is listening and no one is having, <laughs> it is so hard to have an argument, like, like a textbook definition argument of like people arguing their points and listening to each other and not yes. just saying I'm right and those people are wrong. You know, the, the real discussions are not happening very often anymore and for a mm-hmm. number of reasons that we won't have any authority to get into right now. But I just think it's a fascinating thing when... You have an artist like Regina King who's making her first movie and she decides to make a movie about people talking, sitting in a room right. and talking. And I mean, obviously, she has a lot of like stage history, but I think the ideas they're getting at in terms of responsibility and no one yeah. is ever in the wrong by the end of this movie. Everyone brings really solid points to the discussion and this is not a, a, an easy solve. There are so many different right. things that you can do. And I think that's what's so great about this movie is yes, it is about the racial component and very importantly. So, but it is again, so much more about responsibility and, and, and that can touch for anyone. It doesn't have to be a speed. I'm a white dude. And I took a shit ton out of this movie that has nothing to do with that, yeah. you know, I mean, a little bit to do with the color of my skin, but you know what I mean? I, it's a conversation that very much is still alive today of like, how black are you or how Asian are you yeah. or something like it, it, it presents like infighting 
within like your you know minor within a minority group like really mm-hmm. really well and i think that's a hard concept for a lot of people to grasp as to totally. how um you know someone can say like you're not black enough or you're not asian enough or what you're doing yeah. isn't x enough for like what other what what race or ethnicity you are um and i think this this captures it really really well and and puts it mm-hmm. pretty clear for you it's like the complications like of these different things like uh yeah. you know at least in asian culture you know a lot of people will say like you're a banana if you you know are you know that's <laughs> white that's yellow on the outside white on the inside right like that is a thing that right. people say if you don't Oreos. You, right right exactly if you're not you know ethnic enough um and so and that's definitely yeah. something that people say now so I, th- that's something i really really enjoyed about the movie uh yeah i, I will offer a counterpoint though that might be spicy i guess Spice i it up. was not that impressed with the direction of the movie so i wow. will so so i will say i will say i really typically do not like play movies like i thought ma Raimi's black bottom was like ma Raimi's black bottom was like it was fine i think if uh i think if chadwick boseman was not the lead i don't think there would be very much like conversation about it and especially like the fact that it was his last role i think that that pushes it a lot like i i don't know i and this just goes for like most stage to play movies or stage to screen yeah. movies it wasn't that impressive to me and i don't know i i think the direction of the performances were good like i think a lot of them were really good i wasn't that yeah. into malcolm x but I think that's because I recently watched Malcolm X starring right. um, uh, Denzel. Starring Denzel. And so I I had a really unfair, like that's Ooh. not a fair okay. comparison to make. Like a king yeah. to you, you know, like one of the greatest auto, you know, biopic performances of all time compared to that. But th- I don't know, it like it, it took me a while to get into it. Like I yeah. I didn't like the first 20 minutes or so. I thought when they all got into the room together, I was like very much invested and like liked it a lot more. But there was just something yeah. that was kind of missing for me. And it's not really her fault because the, the play also does not have multiple locations, which a lot of movies benefit from that. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, like, like I honestly, in like my little Oscar predictions, I didn't think she would get a best directing nominee. I thought it would get best picture, mm-hmm. but I was not surprised that it did not get a best directing nod. Um, okay. That's a spicy take, Ian. You were not <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Okay, first off, before, like, just quickly, I'll say, I do kind of agree with you um, on Kingsley's performance out of, like, the four. Yeah. Because I do think he's now nominated. Um, I think he did a good job. He wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Um, he was nominated, uh, I mean, it was part of the Screen Actors Guild, but he individually was not. Uh, Leslie Odom was for Best Supporting. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, because, like, I think he did an okay job, like, playing Brother Malcolm, but... All, for some reason, I felt like it read a little bit Barack Obama. At time. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I one hundred percent got that. And it's not his fault. I, like the other performances no. were just really, really good. So that's they were really good. He was up against like tough competition, so that it, it makes it a little hard. But yeah, go on. Yeah, um, but I will say that I absolutely stand uh, the direct the the direction in this film. I think it's mm-hmm. like. I do think it is very in your face, um, but it's clever for what this 
for what this film is, right? Like you, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. click this movie, like you can smell Oscar bait from a mile away. Like there, there's no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right, right. You Just know, reading like, there's the no title. Ca- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But for a stage to uh, stage to screen adaptation, I thought she really did a great job of like a drawing out brilliant performances be just the kind of like there was just like these it was really well blocked I'll say because there mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. so conversational so dialogue heavy the way that the, they were moving and kind of like catching themselves in mirrors and you know the way that they were like behaving or like this the way some shots were like set up I thought she made some really amazing choices and I thought it was very strong and well articulated. Um, So I stand, I stand Regina and I'm, I'm very excited to see what she can do next. Cause I think like, that's a, that's a great talent there and, and doing a play for your first film, I think is like a big, a big one. Cause I agree with you, Ian, it doesn't always translate. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll say I didn't think it was awful by any means. I just no. I just wasn't completely floored. Uh, yeah. But catcher, also, I know. You, I, I, oh, good. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I also really like the direction of the fights and and yeah, I really like those scenes. Um, mm-hmm. She compressed like the one scene, like the scene of um, Cassius Clay's like defeat of um, Sonny Liston. Mm-hmm. She did such a good job of like compressing that moment, but still hitting all the like important things that happened um so yeah sorry catcher no no that's okay um you're saying all things that i would say anyway so that's fine um (laughs) no i think it's weird like i'm not always one to be like wow the direction like Mm. that's just not something i normally do it's just a blind spot not a blind spot it's just some i don't know i I so so know so little about what a director is really doing on set um but I just found when I was watching, I was like, wow, I love the perf- number one, the performances, as we've all said. The, they're all outstanding. Um, I, I think Muhammad Ali is the of them my least favorite. Um, wow. I just think uh, it feels like he's working through like the vocals, like the sort of like specifics of all mm-hmm. these sort of like cadence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's constantly trying to act through that. Like that's a weight he's constantly carrying through every time he's talking where it's like, it's holding him back a little. Um, but everyone else is incredible. Boom. Like you said, some of the shots, the way they interact with each other in the room, oftentimes can feel like a single take, even though it's not. And I think a yeah. lot of that has to do with, the, the shot selection mm-hmm. and also the editing mm-hmm. it's not flashy it's just gets you immersed in the room you feel like you're in the yeah. room at all times um on top of that like all the first 20 minutes i had heard some other people discussing like they didn't really like the first 20 minutes and it they wish they could have gotten right into the meat of them sitting in the room um and i just think there's so much in setting up it's required who they, who yeah. they are yeah, it's yeah. um and she the the fight scenes it's not creed okay that's you know well, it's not raging yeah. bull but it doesn't ever feel weird or out of place it feels like very like it's giving you everything that you need to know um the shot of jim brown like each character gets like a vignette sort of introduced where they are at the, at that current state mm-hmm. and 
the whole sequence with Jim Brown going to I whoever that old what asshole white dude yeah. is. Um, mm. as soon as it cuts to him and, and the car's driving through the area, I'm like, everything about this is going to be trouble. And then you pull, he pulls up and it's like this old ass plantation house and the way that the daughter reacts to him, um, the way the conversation goes, everything about that. It's just, it is pitch perfect. You, you never yeah. feel comfortable. You mm-hmm. always are waiting for the other shoe to drop and it drops and it drops exactly how you expect yeah. and it's the fucking worst feeling in the world mm-hmm. um and the fact that you that scene is like incredible to me um and just proved like to me shows like everything you need to know about like what she's capable of doing it's not a perfect movie by any stretch um but it's incredible the performance what they're talking about the themes of what's going on is just makes me so happy um and like give me more of Regina King movies. Like I'm red. I'm ready right now. So <laughs> yeah. let's. So we we spoke a little bit about Malcolm X uh, and uh, Cassius Clay, uh, Muhammad Ali. So let let's spend some time speaking about uh, Sam Cooke and, and Jim Brown. So Leslie Odom Jr. plays Sam Cooke, and he is nominated for um, best supporting actor. I I thought he was the best part of the movie. Not only because I relate or I I uh, know most about Sam Cooke. I mean, I listen to his music a lot. I'm more like attuned with him, but I I think he he was so good. Like he plays, I think, just the most like conflicted character per oh, se. Him yes. and probably you know him and uh, Kingsley Benadire go at it pretty good several times throughout the movie. Um, and I think yeah. Leslie Odom plays the toughest character in the, in the play, like yep. knowing he kind of has to uh, kind of, you know, submit to the white record industry at the time in order to get his songs out and his messages out, like his monologues for yeah. the end were like unbelievable, to, unbelievable to me. And then of course yeah. the, this, the singing sequences were phenomenal, but um, yeah. What, what did you two think about Leslie Odom? Um, Okay, Leslie Odom's performance was amazing. I think it's the top of not to compare them because they all did amazing, mm-hmm. but I think Leslie Odom just knocked it out of the freaking park. Mm-hmm. I love Sam Cooke like yeah. so much. And it's and the character was interesting. I am generally down for what was going on and like the conversations that were happening. But this is where this is kind of Sam Cooke's story is where I took up mm, the most mm-hmm. issue because it's great. The conversation, I'm 100% down for it. It's still a movie. So like there still needs to be the conflict. And I think that the conversations being had between Sam and Malcolm are really interesting and important. Um, you know, it's ultimately highlighting that there's, you know, no one way to be black and you know and i think they put that all on sam cook's shoulders in this Mm -hmm. um and i take issue with it a little bit because i feel like in his death and like the nature of his death in real life again i understand that like this was fiction but he already faced like this character assassination right Mm -hmm. um 
And I think the narrative that's happening in this film and like putting that on Sam Cooke kind of undermines his influence and his activism while Mm -hmm. he was still alive because Mm -hmm. like he was a radical and Mm -hmm. like his proximity to Malcolm X alone, which was like long before that night, you know, kind of put a target on his back as is, and he didn't care. And like, he did a lot for the black community. And I feel like they take this idea of his message and his activism in this film and they hang it solely on him writing a change is going to come. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm like, it totally also, like it's here. also like as if it's influenced by this night, like that the conversation yeah. would have been the thing that changed him mm. versus yeah. the reality, which is like, he was always in the fight from the beginning. Exactly. This, right. And that song was written before that night and it right. was released after his death. Right. He never heard and it released. Exactly. Which makes the ending all the more powerful, actually. Like I friggin' bald. Um so that that is my biggest qualm with this film. Mm. Like I really love it, and I'm just like, I, I wanna be down for these conversations, but I think that people who don't know these figures like through and through are going to watch this and maybe take it at face value. Right. And I just hope that people aren't doing that because that's not Sam's story. Um, And I just had to get that off my chest, but Leslie Odom Jr. Killed it and giving him that ending was an incredible choice. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. Can can I just say as someone who like, was so stoked to be the one like why I asked for this is because like I really have very little context like beyond Malcolm X about who any of these people were so I was like really excited because I really wanted to like learn about who they were um yeah and after watching the movie even more stoked and like was interested to see like learn the differences about the reality of what was going on but like as someone who had no idea who like who these people were the thing that makes Sam Cooke works so well in the role that he's put in and the way that he's displayed, at least from my opinion, is he never feels like he wasn't putting the work in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, right. like from my perspective, at least, like the way they present him, it's just like, and I, and I get where you're coming from. Uh, I agree with you. I just feel like that wasn't articulated enough. And I just felt like Malcolm's point of view overshadowed like his truth. That's yeah, it. I like just, that's yeah. that's all it is. But I understand. Yeah. I'm like this is fiction, so maybe yeah. I'm just like reaching here. But they're, they're metaphors, like for ideas, right? They're not people. Yeah. But I I understand where you're coming from for sure, especially mm-hmm. like with what you said specifically. The interesting part about that to me is that like Malcolm, <clears throat> at least for like a part of his life, was the, I, I'm not exactly sure where this falls like in his timeline of like his more militant times as like as a member of the nation of islam um yeah but so i think that's like what they were trying to get across is that for a while in malcolm x's uh lifetime maybe if he wasn't personally so ideologically that way the you know group that he was affiliated with definitely was you know and so and i think the complexity of malcolm x is that when he decided to leave that led to a whole bunch of additional trauma and eventually like potentially the death in his life um Mm. but you know so i think that's that's where it is there but i definitely hear you on that that it does maybe feel like sam cook was like the 
the sacrificial lamb for yeah. what the movie was trying to get across. But I think as a result, he does get an amazing but role. But he, he still yeah. steals the show. Like, yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> it, you, can use, you can use him as a sacrificial lamb in the storytelling because his actual truth is so great in yeah. terms of like what yeah. he was able to do. But like, I just feel... Know. I just feel like out of everybody, like Malcolm, Muhammad Ali, maybe not so much Jim Brown, but it's like we know their stories through and through. And I just don't think that people and I think this film kind of the way it works is it assumes that you at least have like the groundwork, like you've done the groundwork, you know, some stuff. And I just think his story is just less prevalent than Mm -hmm. the other two. Mm -hmm. And it's a little less accessible. Um, so. Hear, yeah. hear me out. But. I was kind of yes. thinking about this. Yes. Yesterday. <laughs> okay. So picture this in your mind. It's like the Spike Lee version of the Avengers. Where Spike Lee does like a biopic of every one of these people. And then he he then also makes. One night in Miami, so you get all the context. <laughs> That's not the for each yeah. one. Like it's like Malcolm. He's already done Malcolm X. He's only got three more to go. Like That's we're not, good. That's, That's, not, That's not the worst, right? That's not the worst comparison. I, I see that. Like yeah. how great would that be? Where it's like you get these really amazing like mm. biopics, <laughs> and then you get this sort of like the Avengers coming together. I just, yeah. I don't know. That's no, I, that's an, I love it. Because they were the superheroes, right? Yeah. Like, let's and do it. Let's call Spike. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah Spike. Yeah. Can, when when you hear this, please reach out to uh, yeah, reach out to our people on this. And he's a fan of Kickstarter. We will get this funded, <laughs> Spike. <laughs> um, should we go on to our categories? I mean, it's, it's hard. We want, yeah. It's such a dense. It's such a dense movie with with yeah. so many it things. But I think dense. we covered it, we covered a lot of ground. We got yeah. it out there. Yeah, we yeah. covered a lot of ground. Uh, all right. So let's go to our criterion moments. Then, who wants to go first? Um, I can go, and I've willingly like I'm not. Don't worry, in I, I, I'm not taking your shit this week. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, not. I don't mean like take. I mean like I'm not. I. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not swiping you know the only I mean? moment he had for the no, movie. People, people don't know is that I edit out all the uh, all the content of me yelling at Boom over and over again. <laughs> and so this you stole my Criterion moment and so, again. And so this is the uh, this is my comeuppance yeah. where she's done taking my shit. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, my Criterion moment is the scene in the concert hall when Sam Cooke is singing a cappella. Yeah, and it's just. It's honestly just my favorite part of the film. And I guess it has less to do with like what's going on in the movie and in the narrative and all that and more to do with the filmmaking and direction. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I know you hated Regina's direction. Ian. Oh, my God. Here it I'm comes. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Here it comes. <laughs> you sickos. I'm kidding. But yeah, I just like that moment. I my jaw was to the floor. I thought it was beautiful. Um, it was just like such a nice touch and I just was so proud and excited um, for Regina. I'm obsessed with her and yeah, I just think she's one to watch and I, mm-hmm. yeah, favorite scene of the movie. Nice. Uh, well, 
I was also going to say that scene. So you actually did take <laughs> that shit. No, I, I was, was like, shh. <laughs> I was no, 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 sure no, no. you were going to pick Leslie at the end. I was like, Leslie's his boy. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I, I, I love both of those scenes, uh, but my backup yeah. was actually going to be the rooftop scene. Oh, um, nice. I, I, like everything, typically when I watch like a biopic, if you told me that on paper and I heard that and like I was watching that scene, I would think this is like the cheesiest, corniest bullshit like with the fireworks and like the photo and all that sort of stuff but i really really liked how they did it in this movie something about it just like worked really well um and so it stands out to me because like most times when i yeah. would actually absolutely like turn off on a scene like that i was completely invested uh so then that is 100 percent amazing well, you took nice. you took mine <laughs> So that's this is a perfect okay, you train. You hit the end, um, but no, but I had two. I had two because we have to be prepared. Yes, okay. for a moment like this, we are professionals. Uh, and the and I, I was actually going back and forth, so it's fine. But the other one, uh, the scene that I really loved was just everything's exploded. They've gone their separate ways. Ever, you know, they've teamed up, uh, had their discussions, and then there's this amazing shot where the four of them are sitting together. And they're, it's in a hotel room, so two are on one bed and two are on the other. And the frame is just them sitting together. And I just think these are like titans, mm-hmm. you know? And it's yeah. like, and you've got four of these amazing human beings on screen together sitting beside each other. And they're just, you know, that's how we, we find out about the story, about the performance that Boom picked for her pick, that scene. And it's just them post-argument where like in any good argument everyone gets emotional everyone gets heated everyone comes Mm -hmm. down and then they come together and they sort of like they don't solve the problem but they closed out the argument and they've all learned something and Mm -hmm. it's just like this is i'm here for this like i love they're just the way they are so friendly together and like you just want like the the road like the road movie of these guys, like hanging out, mm-hmm. driving yeah. around together, just like being bros. Like you get their relationship is so strong. Um, Listen, but- it's, I love that moment. A, like, I want to shout out the playfulness that like, she kind of like brings out of the characters. I know I've been like yakking, like yapping on and on about being like, Oh, you know, it's, it's fiction, whatever. But it soothed my soul to think about like these four men in real life, just like laughing and like goofing around together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why the rooftop scene I liked so much too, because it's like, it's exactly. all of that pretense, like sort of like let go. And it's mm-hmm. like just them being dudes and being mean to each other and having fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also anything I've had to say about like the conversations and like what they mean in the bigger sense, I will say like, um, they're so healthy, like the mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. P- they were listening to each other and like allowing themselves to fit in, sit in their feelings and then kind of like react and also just like learn and and move on because it's like we are so reactive these days. So mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. yes, no, let's have conversations and understand that we're not all going to see eye to eye. But mm-hmm. yeah, and be heated and be heated too. like have, be feeling comfortable to say something you know will offend the other person because you need to get that off your chest, you know? Yeah, yeah like when I said uh, I wasn't that impressed with her directing. <laughs> uh, uh, you're banned. No, you're right. Like I, it, it takes, and this is obviously 
I mean, more so on, on the screenwriter Kemp Powers, um, but also yeah. Regina for not changing yeah. it. Like, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of temptation to end the play and the movie with like, yeah, let's let's all like take from each other and like have this whole like jump in the air, yeah, jump like in the air like fist pump yeah. movement moment, yeah. right? But uh, they, they didn't do <laughs> oh, that, yeah. and that's what kept it. Totally. I think, I think powerful. Well, I was just going to say, I just want to add one thing. So since none of us chose the ending for our Criterion moment, Mm -hmm. despite what I thought was going to happen, I just want to like give it credit for a second because it's such a strong ending. Um, And what I drew from it is like Sam singing that song that he never performed in real life Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and like shedding a tear and just kind of like the montage of Malcolm. Um you know, his house burning that mm-hmm, night. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it It was just very powerful. And at that point I was absolutely weeping and I thought she ended it on a very strong note. So mm-hmm. I did just, I I know I'm catching right now, but I, I did just want to bring it up. <laughs> no, catch her away. Um, actually, my question to you was actually kind of about the ending. So you sort of get all these little scenes of like, like how Boom described. And the one with... Um, the one with Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. where he's there. Mm-hmm. How? What did? You, how did you read? Because they do this thing where it's like, oh, they announce it and he, whatever, and then you get this sort of like POV shot from his perspective, where it's the crowd, and you've got this very clear divide. Right, women are all in white, uh, men are all in black, and it's just that's that's the religion. Yeah, that's no, the religion. I understand that. Yeah. I, I no, I that oh, I know, okay. but I'm just saying like. She chose to shoot that, like, that was a a shot in her mind where it was like, here was a guy standing in the middle between black and white in terms of, like, do you think that has anything deeper Mm. than it's just that's how they were seated? Or it was, or do you think that actually had, because mine, it was like, the whole movie is about how things are not black and white. Mm. And so that for him to be standing there sort of in between black and white, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. like what yeah. did, did anyone catch anything more than that? Or is it just, being... I mean, I, I, it's probably a little of both. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. It was, if it was like intentional. Yeah, it was intentional. I could see it go both ways. Yeah. But yeah, it is yeah. like the religion that that's part of it. Yeah. That I knew of course, but right. I, I just found it interesting. That was like such a strong visual choice. Where totally. It's like, okay. Now we're doing a POV of this guy. Right. And uh, yeah. So. Yeah, probably. I mean, that that's a good catch. Let's go to our satellite picks. Uh, reverse Yay. order catcher i struggled very hard with this mm-hmm. um i won't i wanted to do like a one room something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i couldn't figure it out and saw. then <laughs> saw, <laughs> yeah. saw is my pairing um no so i went with a movie i've not seen but i have seen it performed on stage um so my choice was 12 angry men mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I like it because now, granted, this is a room of completely white old men, so that's sort of like the you know it's not visually the same, but the idea of le- you know in a as a jury member, you do have the power over someone's life, and the idea that this is about taking ownership of that power and also dealing obviously with race and all and what comes with that with regards to like what they're jurying over. Mm-hmm. But I just think, uh, you know, as a movie, uh, a single room place with a bunch of people having strong discussions, 
Um, I thought that would be a good pairing. Yeah, my pick is also about five black pop culture icons, uh, and it is also a biopic, and it also deals with uh, how you choose to represent yourself in uh, a white-dominated pop culture, and that is straight out of Compton. Um, nah. <laughs> I, I was a big fan. I really, really liked this movie. I thought it was great. The performances yeah. are all very good. And there are like an eerie amount of similarities between the arguments between members of NWA and ones that you see within um, One Night in Miami. So definitely, if you haven't seen it, I yeah. highly recommend it. I, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, yeah, straight out of Compton. So good. So my pairing um, is the film Six Degrees of Separation. Um, it's actually Will Smith's first film role Mm -hmm. and it's quite awesome. Like it's a really good performance. Um, it's based on a famous play and it's about a wealthy couple who take in like this young black man they believe is in trouble. Um, but he turns out to be like a scam artist and then they go around bragging about the incident to their like various social circles Um, I think it's one of the best stage to screen adaptations uh, that I've seen. And it also offers an interesting narrative of like how white people kind of aim to make themselves seem more interesting and morally just by like leveraging their proximity to blackness. I know that sounds pointed, but I think we kind of like touch on those themes uh, with like the Jim Crow vignette where, you know, with like the man on the porch and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just, it's a good film. People should check it out. Um, so, yeah, that's my pairing. Nice. nice. Good pick. Good picks uh, all around. So, uh, let's yes. get to our, we, we got one one voicemail this week. If you want to shoot us a voicemail, you can go over to CinderNotsPod at gmail.com or send us an email there. Uh, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we got on social media via Boom. But this email Yay. is from dear, dear friend uh, of the pod, Sophie. Hey, Cinnanauts, it's Sophie. Um, leaving uh, a- another last-minute voicemail here. I'm <laughs> coming to you in the... Not the middle, actually. I'm almost done one night in Miami. And <laughs> Sam Cooke just started singing A Change Is Gonna Come. And Oh, she's at the end. There might be tears in my eyes right now, but I just really <laughs> had to get a voicemail to you guys. Um before you're done recording i think i'm (laughs) probably gonna send you this while you're actually recording um correct anyways one night in miami it was it was good i had i had a good time watching it it took me a little bit to actually like get into it i wasn't really expecting like a heavy dialogue movie i don't know why maybe because i went into it a little blind but um i honestly think leslie odom jr outperformed mm-hmm. everyone i think yes. everyone was like pretty strong but leslie odom jr just fucking brought it also <laughs> hot um <laughs> honestly everyone were snacks um yeah regina king is a goddess and i'm so excited to see what she what she does next um yes. yeah i just wanted to send a voicemail so I didn't feel so alone when I was crying to to Sam Cooke's beautiful oh. voice. Here for you, okay, bye. I love you guys. Thank you, Sophie. Bye, Sophie. We love you. And I also just need to make it clear. I love Regina King. 
Boom and Catcher are very mm, aware of we'll my standship <laughs> of Regina King. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to her future directing uh, directing uh, projects. Based on her voicemail, we do need to shout out all this Hodge for one, being the most attractive man on earth, and two, <laughs> is an underappreciated character uh, in this movie in terms of what he has to do. And I, he is my favorite performance in the whole movie. Oh. Go on. Without a doubt. Oh, wow, yeah. He, we honestly does, didn't spend much time talking about his Jim Brown, and he did a great job. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, 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 that's why I realized, I was like, oh, we didn't actually get to him, so I'll just sneak it in right now. I just think he carries so much of the movie on his shoulders in small ways, and just yep. the things that his character has to say and how he manages to sort of like see, like get everyone back together and sort of calm the situation yeah. down and sort of, I just think, yeah. It was and incredible. one of my favorite scenes is him in the in the bathroom by himself looking in the mirror yes yes yeah listening to them talking and him just like getting himself together yeah yeah so poised agree uh sorry catcher we didn't get to that we can make no 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 it's fine um yeah so boom what did what did people i know we posed the same question of who would be tea with boom what is our social media tea with boom this week yeah. Okay. So like the first news of social media tea is that I saw Bat and Spider now have Twitter. Yes. Um, and I immediately trolled them by saying I was only going to tag them in giveaways. Um, but moving <laughs> on. Go follow them. It's Bat and Bat and Spider and the little. Yeah. Go follow them on Twitter. On Twitter. Um, so we did. So the question that Mike or Catcher asked us at the beginning of the episode, just kind of like who are some like black figures that you're really looking up to, or you'd like want to see in this room. Um, So we asked that on our Instagram and we've got some like awesome answers. So we got a killer Mike. Somebody said that was Yoli Zina. Yep. That's a great, Um, great one. Marcy, happy belated birthday. She said um, she's no longer with us, but I have huge admiration for Sharon Jones. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Mel says Nina Turner, Ren oh. Mike D said, uh, Cornell West, of Corey course, Bush. of course, Ren also said Cornell West. That's the least <laughs> yeah. surprising thing. Yeah. I'll, I got a DM. So yeah, that. that's, uh, that's the tea. That was like a fun, um, question and thanks for everybody who responded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, check that out. Yeah. Again. That, that, that's at Synodots on Instagram uh, and Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, awesome. Uh, next week, sweet. We already know we're we're going to the land of Riz Sound Ahmed of metal. to discuss Sound of Metal, which is very. Will we very make exciting. it out have alive. You two, have you two seen it yet? Oh, oh I've no. seen it. Still <laughs> cry a tear every day just thinking about it. I'm so excited about, for you to watch it, Catcher. About shirtless Riz Ahmed drumming angrily for. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah this was definitely high like on my list of wanting to watch like even above one night in miami so i'm like i'm this is definitely going to be a catcher movie so yeah. i'm really excited yeah. to watch yeah. this it's it's very i'm amazing. very excited and i have a great pairing <laughs> oh. So. oh you haven't even watched oh, it you, you have already a have a ready? pairing yeah i do yeah interesting interesting nice well yeah so we're covering that next week and then after that the documentary time uh thanks everyone for hanging out and thank you. Yeah. This was great. It was nice to have just the crew yeah. in the mix today. Yeah. It was such a great blast yeah. having Chuck on and Dale then come on, but 
Nice to just be the three of us. Yeah, it is. Back to basics, y'all. And then uh, keep an eye out for Synanauts in the City coming soon. TMT. It's coming Synanauts soon. Synanauts in the City. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> do, do, do. We have to use the, the, we have to use the Fergie remix, though. I yes, love the Fergie remix. Super sexy. <laughs> If we're going to get sued, it better be by Fergie. That's right. Because if not, what the hell are we doing here? (laughs) I will talk to you guys later. See you next week. See you all next week.